Welcome to the channel. Thank you for joining us today. We appreciate you being here. Uh, this is the next segment of Scientology Stories. No matter how you first heard about Scientology, we hope you will learn from these stories and that we can educate you in the language and practices of Scientology along the way. And here's an important note. Whether you are currently in Scientology, an ex-Scientologist, or simply just curious about hearing stories of what really goes on in Scientology, you should know Scientology does not want you to hear these stories. So we appreciate you being here. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And most of all, thank you for sharing and helping us to educate people on the true nature of Scientology. And with that, I'd like to welcome our guest for today. This is part two with Mr. Mark Fisher. Welcome back Hi. to the channel, Mark. <laughs> okay. Hi, Claire. Hi. <laughs> I appreciate you being here again to help me educate people on the true nature of Scientology, like I just uh, said. It's my pleasure. I mean, I, you know, the more information we can get out there and the more people see it, uh, hopefully it'll, it'll uh, save people who are in that maybe we'll get out and also keep people from getting involved. Yes, absolutely. And before we resume um, your story, I thought I would just ask you um, for what feedback you've had from part one. Yeah, I got, you know, I mean, first of all, we've had quite a few viewers, which was great, and lots of nice comments, which was great. But I also, I've had uh, family members that, uh, you know, I've been in touch with all these years, but they didn't really know my full story, but they watched it and uh, it really uh, filled in a lot of information that they didn't have. And same thing with an old friend that I had from high school, um, you know, and uh, you know, it's, it's great, you know, because you know how it is. We, you have all this information and your life is your life, but uh, a lot of people don't understand what it is you went through. And uh, you know, I'm just sharing the purpose in sharing, like I said, is to help others. Um, awesome. If there's any Scientologists watching or OSA or whatever, uh, these stories are true. I don't have any, you know, I'm not making any money on this. I've, I've never made nope. any money on it. I'm just speaking out because I think the truth should be out there for people. I agree. Amen to that. Education and knowledge is power. <laughs> 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 if people know the truth, they can make the, the informed decisions. Exactly. That's right. And more importantly, we can let people know uh, what their tax-exempt dollars to Scientology are being used for. That's right. That's right. Because yeah. they uh, they do some dastardly things. Absolutely. Yes. yes, absolutely. And so to resume um, where we had left off in part one, and again, for the listening audience, I will link to part one in the description for this video. Um, but we had covered at the very end, um, your final meeting with security um with Jackson and and your ex-wife right. and mm -hmm. um so let's just pick up there um if that's good with you and tell me where you went what happened what was that like okay. <laughs> well i mean that basically when i after i left the um security office you know they took me out to we had a storage unit in town at one of the apartment places and uh, security went through all of my stuff they wouldn't let me take anything that had any sea org emblems on it uh it, they wouldn't let me take any photographs that i had i had lots of photographs over the years that none were allowed to be taken as a matter of fact the only ones that you've seen that we've you know that you showed on the last episode or whatever were photos that i'd sent to my family as you know showing them that I got married, things like that. Yes. Otherwise, I wouldn't have any records whatsoever because they took them all. Yes, they uh, did the same to us when we left. Yeah. And uh, they even took things like that I paid for. 
Do you know what I mean? Like, like I had a, I had a gold RTC ring that we were awarded as a Christmas bonus. It was a solid gold ring, but we had to pay for the thing and they wouldn't let me take that. They just took it. You know what I mean? So, yeah. I mean, it would, I, I would have gladly taken the value of gold at the time. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it was yours. Your it was personal mine, belonging. but they just yeah. took it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so as soon as I was done with that, I drove off and uh, I had my car that let me take my car, obviously, because that was the, what I worked out with Julie and um, my wife. Um, and uh, I took off and I drove west to the Pacific Coast Highway and drove drove up PC1 all the way up to San Francisco, just sightseeing along the way, trying to figure out what the heck am I have I just gone through and where am I going? I can't, so I, can't I drove imagine. up the, I know up that the highway quite well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, it was, and sorry. And I, so, and this was uh, again just for timeline purposes. So we're talking September 1990. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. September 1990. Okay. And then, uh, then from from going up to San Francisco, I just I drove over to Lake Tahoe and in Nevada, and then I drove all the way down to uh, Las Vegas, and uh, and then from Las Vegas, I finally decided, well, I couldn't go. To my mother, my mother would not have understood. She lived on the East Coast. She wouldn't have understood anything that was going on. Uh, I couldn't go to my father and my brother because as far as I knew, they were, you know, I knew they were declared as suppressive people. And uh, I hadn't been in touch with them for like 12, 13 years. I didn't even know if they'd even talk to me. Um, So I didn't know where to go. And I did have money, right? And so I went, I told Julie, my my, uh, wife at the time that, um, I wouldn't really, but then I had no choice. So I went to San Diego and knocked on the door of her uh, father, stepmother, and they took me right in. Wow. And they were not Scientologists, obviously. No, no. They they knew of Scientology, but they weren't artists. And uh, they took me in, you know, with open arms. And I, I'm forever grateful for that because I didn't know where to go, you know. And so yeah. I was there for, you know, about a week or so. And then I, I decided to go to Hawaii for 10 days. So I bought a plane ticket by myself and I flew to Hawaii and just to sort of just, you know, everything calmed down and figure out what the heck am I going to do? And um, I went to Hawaii and then that was one of the pictures I, you know, I sent uh, um, when I got back uh, to San Diego, I got back to Julie's father's house and the phone rang and I picked it up. And, uh, and it was, there was a woman on the line and she said, hi, is this the blah, blah, whose daughter is Julie? And, uh, I went Janice and it was Janice Grady. Oh my goodness. <laughs> who tracked me down. Who had, who had also recently <laughs> escaped from Scientology. Who had just left like two month and a half before. And okay. people have to realize this is before the internet. This is before yes. cell phones. This is when we had home lines, you know, long, you know, and it was yellow pages and white pages books. And it was, there was no computers. So it was, uh, you know, how do you find people? You go through the phone book or you call information. So she tracked me down because my ex-wife's maiden name was uh, Catano. And that's kind of an unusual name. And she knew that Julie was from, and her family was from San Diego area. So she just went through the, you know, had contacted and, and called up the number and I answered the phone. And did Janice know that you had escaped or that you'd Yeah, she had heard that. She had heard that. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, because what happened was, you know, probably six months before Janice uh, and Paul left, her sister Terry and and Terry's husband, Fernando. um, Terry, I told you before, she was – 
she was a high, she was one of the original messengers along, uh, Commodore's messengers along with Janice on the ship with LRH. And, yes. uh, and then she also was a, a high ranking executive at Author Services with David Miscavige. Well, her and her husband had blown in February the year before and taken off cross country. Yes. And uh, they were followed. They, they escaped in they Scientology escaped. terms, unauthorized departure, a.k.a. escape. <laughs> yeah, and they, they were tracked. I remember because I was still working for David Miscavige at the time. They had private investigators tra trace, track them all the way across country. They were driving across to Florida to uh, Terry's uh, husband, Fernando's family. And uh, they had tails on them all the way across country. And I'll, I'll save Terry. Terry has a story about things that happened on that, and that's her business to tell. So I, I won't tell those. Yeah. But, um, Anyway, so she was in Florida. And then when, you know, one of the times when I was on, you know, doing manual labor, when after I'd left one time, you know, they, they always hit you with the standard, well, you'll, if you leave, what are you going to do? You'll be flipping hamburgers at McDonald's. You know, I mean, that's yeah. a standard story they use. It is. But also, We've all heard that line. It's, it's so funny that none of us are flipping burgers. And, and honestly, it would have been a joy to yeah, flip burgers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's just, that was just there. a classic line. Yeah. But anyway, but so Terry and Fernando, they, they were in Florida. And then uh, uh, Janice and Paul, they were in uh Santa Paula, um, California, just uh, north of Los Angeles, with her brother, um, and they were trying to figure out what to do. So they had con they had already contacted Terry, and somehow through the grapevine, uh, they had heard that I had left. Okay. I immediately the next day said, "Hey, I'm coming up to see you guys." So I drove up to California and reconnected with Janice and Paul, and uh, we all kind of decided, "Well, let's let's try and figure out." We had no idea what we were going to do for money. Uh, had no resume. I mean, I was 32 years old. Uh, I had did a lot of things in Scientology, but nothing that they would ever confirm if I put it on a resume. So we, we, I had no idea what we were going to do. Anyway, so we decided, well, why don't we go into business together? We'll do something. Um, so at first we thought we would move down to San Diego because we all thought, hey, it'd be nice to live in San Diego. It's beautiful down there. Who doesn't want to live in San Diego? Yes. But um, uh, there was no work. There was no work at that time. This is 1990, the fall, and and there was, it was very expensive to live there, and there was no work. Um, so what happened was uh, Terry had a f uh, a friend that she knew in Scientology who used to be a public person. I think he was he's kind of under the radar, as you say. Yes. And um, he was in he the was he was he was supposedly a Scientologist, but not really. Yeah, he was kind of disenchanted with what was yes, going on, right. like a lot of people were at the time. But he was a he was a public paying Scientologist. He wasn't a staff member, but he was a very successful mortgage broker. Okay, and uh, he uh, he had had a big mortgage company in Los Angeles area, and then he had moved to Denver, Colorado. But he was planning on moving to Las Vegas. Okay. And so he told, talked to Terry and he said, well, why don't you guys come to Las Vegas and I'll teach you the mortgage business. You guys can work as mortgage lenders and, and that type of thing. So we thought, okay. And plus also, um, Time Magazine had put out an article that year that Las Vegas was Boomtown USA. It was a cover story, you know? Nice. So that's, that's how we ended up moving to Las Vegas. Nice. All right. And, and so, so what, what, Month and year was it when you moved to Vegas? Um, it was uh, Terry, Fernando, and I. We came like right around December before Christmas of 1990. Okay. And then Paul and Janice came short like a month or so later. And like all 
Sea Org members, we didn't have very much money. Um, but uh, so we got a two bedroom apartment with two bathrooms. Um, and Paul and Janice, Janice was pregnant with her son, John, at the time. Um, and Paul and Janice were in one bedroom, Fernando and Terry in the other bedroom. And of course, I slept on the pullout couch in the living room. Okay. <laughs> 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 so we were roughing it. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. And sure. we started learning the mortgage business and making some money, but it wasn't, we weren't making very much. I mean, we were really scratching it. Um, I found out, you know, when I left, I, I told you last time that I had some money, but the other thing I found out, um, I, well, I didn't find out. I had credit cards. We, you know, while I was in the Sea Org, um, um, uh, Mark Yeager, who was the commanding officer CMO in, he applied for an American Express card personally. This was years, years before we left. Okay. And, um, he found out they didn't, you just put down what you made and they didn't verify your income. And American Express wasn't a credit card. It was a charge card. So in other words, if you charge $300, the next bill you had would be $300. So it just was a way of using it like a debit card is now, right? Yes. So he got approved for it. So we all did it. We all, we all got the American Express cards. And, and, um, when you you know, when we were in senior management and, uh, in our, in religious technology center and CMO, um, we didn't get to go shopping. So we shot, we were catalog shoppers, you yes. know, we get the, mm -hmm. you know, Spiegel catalog or Victoria's secrets or banana Republic. And so we would order things. And of course, since we had money, the, the bill would come in and we just pay it. We always had a zero balance on our card. Nice. But so you, over the you years, were building up credit, in other words. <laughs> yeah, but unlike, so over, unlike most Seorg members. <laughs> that's exactly right. I'm yes. an exception. I'm not yes. the rule. Okay. No, I totally understand. <laughs> I know Mark and I always joke that and it's not it's not a joke, it's a true story. But when we left, we tried to go buy a car and we had, you know, more than fifty percent of the the payment of the car and they they said well you you have no credit and we're like well that's good right we don't have bad credit and they're like no that's way worse uh are, i know are, are I you know. drug dealers I... and we're like no <laughs> never never done anything like that we just worked at a place where we only used cash and they were like yeah we don't know what that is <laughs> that happened to us too we paid cash julie and i paid sixty five hundred dollars cash for our, our used honda that we had you know when i was in the sea org but then when i went to get a car like you like you said a year out i wanted to get a new car it was the same thing i had good credit but i didn't have any credit in other words they go like you don't have any history of paying for a car right so anyway Yes. But anyway, but when I get back to it, I got that American Express card. But then over the years, while you're in Scientology, they start sending you other credit cards. Right. You know what I mean? Next thing you know, you've got a, a, a MasterCard and then a Visa and this and that. So I had credit cards and they all had zero balance when I left. Well, I didn't realize that when I left, I had $41,000 worth of available credit. Wow. Okay. That's, Which that's I proceeded. Uh, definitely not the norm <laughs> for a Sea Org No, member. it's not. It's yeah. not. But the problem was is that we weren't making enough money. So I was living. I had no idea how. I didn't know how a credit card worked. I was 32 right. years old. I'd never been in the, the real world. So I was using the credit cards to pay bills and live off of. And, and be, you know, so I got in a lot of trouble with that, you know. But anyway. I understand. <laughs> so, we, so we were working that and doing that. <laughs> and then that's when we first... Um, we didn't know at the time, but that's when we hired Scientology, sent in their first uh, private investigator spy, uh, you know, to look in on us. And that's a okay. guy named Dave and LeBeau, who's who's kind of famous. So yes, I don't know if you want absolutely. To show yeah, I'll pull up the picture here. And so, and and you of course had no idea 
that he was a PI. Here, so here's the no. first picture. So go ahead and tell us yeah. when this was and and how yeah, this that, all came to happen. Sure, that's me, and that's Dave LeBeau, and that would have been in uh, probably uh, the spring of 1991. And uh, so you hadn't even been gone a year yet, and no, they're no, sending not, in no. private investigators. Uh-uh. And I'm sure, just as a side comment, that <clears throat> what specifically drove David Miscavige nuts about your situation is that you had reconnected with Janice, Paul, Terry, Fernando, all top executives, all who had been top executives in Scientology. That's exactly right. And so he started- What are you doing? What are they doing? <laughs> thousands of probably millions by the end of it, but, but I'll let you answer that question, but go ahead. Yeah, well, it's funny too because I only recently found out during one of Mondays with Marty, uh, sorry, with Mike, Mark, and Aaron that uh, I asked a question of Mike. I said, "How did you guys ever find this guy, Dave LeBeau? Anyway, it turns out that he he was a mechanic at an um, an off road vehicle business that Scientology's main private investigator at the time, a guy by the name of Eugene Ingram, yes. Um, and he was working for him just as a mechanic, and he needed somebody to go to Las Vegas. And he thought that this guy would be the right person to go. So this was his first operation that wow, they used Wow, first him on. assignment for... It's first assignment, yeah. First so, and I didn't, private investigator I didn't know role. that. Yes. Yeah, I didn't know that until about two weeks ago. You know, I, we wow. didn't know you know, how he got there. We found that we knew he was, a well, we eventually found out he was a private, private eye, but we didn't know how he started. But anyway, yes. um, so. And we so were, how, so how did he, how did he come into your life? How did he present himself? Sure. So we basically were working at this mortgage company, you know, nine to five, and we were learning how to do mortgage loans. And, uh, and he applied as, as an employee, he applied to be a loan officer at the mortgage company. And so he got hired and, uh, um, he basically, he was a very friendly guy and we were very friendly too. Right. So, and I gotta, I gotta say this too. We were, at least I was extremely naive. I don't know about, I can't speak for the other people, but I was extremely naive because when you're in Scientology, um, you know, you know, you, you trust people to tell you the truth because if they don't, it's found out about, you know what I mean? Through yes. security checking or whatever. Then that had been my life for the previous 15, 16 years, you know? Yes. So you took people at or at least I did, you took them at face value. You never thought right. that somebody would have, and that actually, I got burned several times. I'm sure others did too. I mean, I, I literally would trust people who were lying to my face and I, 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 I just didn't know any better. You right. Know and I mean? Osa was banking on that, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah. and it was, it was a, it was a learning curve, you know, plus yeah. it, when we left, we still were dedicated Scientologists. I mean, we were of the opinion that, well, you know, L. Ron Hubbard's going to come back, and when he comes back, he'll see what Miscavige has been doing, and he'll get rid of him, and then we can come back in the Sea Org. I mean, literally, that was our viewpoint. We used to get together and talk about it, you know? So it takes time for the onion to unpeel, you know what I mean? It sure does. You know, that type of thing. And I'll I'll tell you about how I finally you know, got out of it. But anyway, he came and we hired him as an employee, and then that's our apartment complex where we lived. Um, He got an apartment in the same complex, right? Okay. And uh, the apartment Convenient. complex. 
Yeah. And the apartment <laughs> complex had a racquetball court, indoor racquetball court. And we liked to play racquetball. He played racquetball with us. And then we would go to dinner and lunch with him. And he became our friend. And, you know, we didn't think anything of it. We started telling him about, you know, that we've been in Scientology and all that. We were disseminating to him. We actually gave him a Dianetics book. And we were telling mm-hmm. him about the about the, the powers of Scientology. <laughs> <laughs> Others, we had nothing to hide. You know no, what I mean? We I, just wanted, I to, get, we I wanted to get on with our life. Yeah. We had no idea he was a spy, and he basically was eating it up. And so um, we didn't find out two years later when, when in 2009 when Marty Rathman, you know, was out and spoke to the Tampa Bay Times in the Truth Rundown series that LeBeau, that D- DM was getting these reports from Dave LeBeau, and he loved it. He loved getting the information. And so – and and. And apparently the reports, which is true, is that our upset wasn't with Scientology and L. Ron Hubbard. It was with David Miscavige. Right. So that made us even more of a target to him. Right. So, so that fueled David so said, Miscavige keep the, keep to the continue spending money on private investigators right. to closely right. watch over spent, you. I don't even know how much they spend, but I know that, you know, over the years they had a private investigator that followed Pat Broker for 20 years. And these two pri- private investigators were paid over $20 million. You right. know, it's just crazy. Yeah. So um, anyway. I know it is crazy. And again, just to reiterate, this is tax exempt dollars. Yes. This is so what's being paid for. But yes. And so that's so crazy. 19 years later, you find yeah. out that he's a private investigator. That's just yeah. insane. Well, well, we found out, I, we actually found out before that, that he oh. was a private investigator. Okay. It just was that we we didn't know exactly what he was doing until Marty got out and told us what was going on, right? I but see. Anyway, so all so, the pieces fell into place when you had exactly. that. Exactly. It's yes. like you find out stuff later that you didn't know at the time. Yes. Anyway. Um, so he was, he was an employee and became our friend and, and, uh, that they've, you've got another picture, I think of uh, yes. him with, uh, Janice, oh, not here, that well, one. Here, yeah. We're, yeah. Well, let's do this one. And <laughs> well, let's we'll do this one. Okay. They're chronological. <laughs> well, that's okay. So in ni- 1993, um, I went and I finally reconnected with my father. That's my father with the white beard and my brother. Um, I'm in the middle and, uh, we're at Mount Rainier in Washington. And that was when I reconnected with my dad and my brother after after about 13, 14 years. That's amazing. And, and uh, how did that come about? Um, well, um, about a year, two, two years after I left, which, you know, we'll get to that point. But basically, I went on a cross-country road trip to visit my mother. And then I went to go see my brother. And I'd talked to him on the phone a few times. So I went to see him. He lives in Ohio. Okay. And then, uh, so we had already connected. But then my father, I was a little bit afraid to reconnect because he had gotten involved with this whole other group. Um, that weren't Scientologists, but it was something else. And, and I don't even need to go into it really, okay. but they lived up in upstate Washington. And so um, uh, in uh, like 93 or whatever, uh, my brother was coming out to visit my dad. And so I decided to fly up to Seattle and then I went with a friend to go see my dad and my brother. And that's how we reconnected. Awesome. And what did your brother and dad say when they heard from you after so many years? Well, obviously they were like, <laughs> they kind of my brother didn't understand my dad kind of understood because he was had been the executive director of a mission and he knew what was going on and all but um they were just happy to see me you yes. know and uh you know i was i was interested in what they were doing and 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 vice versa and uh you know it was like water under the bridge to be honest with you i mean yeah. i don't remember it being you know super emotional or anything like that other than just good to see you you know for sure but yeah. um yeah, that that's that's when I uh, 
reconnected with my dad. Now he, he, um, this is not 93 and then he passed away in 1996. So it was only three years later that he passed away, but I went up to see him two or three times up in Washington during that time period. Um, you know, so that, that was cool. That's awesome. I'm glad you were able to reconnect and have that time with him. Yeah. And my brother, my brother's still alive and doing well. And uh, he watched part one. He loved it, you know, so he's doing, he's doing, he's actually very successful. So um, anyway, yeah, All right, so, that's so moving that. along to the next slide, here we okay, go. Okay, well, this is uh, the mortgage company. Yes. Um, one of the things about the mortgage company is, is that it's called City Mortgage. And uh, the photograph you see here is uh, going uh, right to left. That's Paul Grady, and Janice is in the red uh, blouse, his wife. In the yes. middle there is a is a gentleman by the name of Kenny Lipton, who was an ex-Sea Org member, and he had been an executive in the Commodore's Messenger Org, um, and he had actually blown around the same time that we all blew. Um, and uh, then uh, in the red skirt is Janice's sister, Terry, okay. and then in the blue suit is Terry's husband, Fernando. Yes. And so, I'm taking and again, the photograph. You're, so you're all, you're all yeah. used to be top executives Yes. In Scientology. That's exactly right. Yeah. Okay. And so we, obviously, we became, bef- well before the Aftermath Foundation, which does stellar work, okay, we were a go-to place for people, for executives and people that left the Sea Org. Um, That's awesome. You know, again, no internet, no telephones, no nothing, but somehow Janice would get a hold of people, and we ended up having... Um, the former senior case supervisor international, Jeff Walker, come and be at work with us at the at the mortgage company. He actually was my roommate for a while. Oh, we wow. had uh we had Jan Sims who had been um you know uh, one of the enhancement executives in religious technology front center and had been a good friend of Shelly Miscavige. She yes. came with her daughter and worked with us. We had uh uh Cheryl Detchiff and her husband Gene. Uh, uh there were some others too but basically we would you know get a hold of them and they didn't have anything going on. So we said, well, come here. You know what I mean? We'll, we'll teach you the mortgage business too. So we, we, we tried to help people get on their feet as well. That's amazing. And again, I'm sure that fueled David Miscavige yes. to continue <laughs> spending money on private investigators because he cannot stand when people get together and compare yeah. notes. <laughs> exactly right. Because to yeah. be perfectly honest with you, the people you see in, in that photograph and, yes. and myself and Jeff Walker and all that, we could have run Scientology. I mean, that's how senior we were. We, right. we could have, if Miscavige wasn't there in his mind, we could have taken over and run things, you know? Yes. So uh, we had the experience and the know-how, but anyway, so that that's a picture of us at the, um, when they bought a, a building for the mortgage company. Awesome. All right. Moving on here. All right. And then this is a, there's uh, our little private investigator, Dave LeBeau with the mustache in the back upper right behind Janice okay. and then Fernando and uh, Terry. And then a friend of ours, this is at Kenny Lipton's house. We were having a party, but this guy just basically, infiltrated our lives you know wow. and we didn't think anything of it okay right. until of course not yeah go <laughs> ahead until I, I can't wait to hear this because i haven't heard okay. this <laughs> all right so until um i was not doing well you know we were not making money when we first started the mortgage business that first year at all like literally i i was running out of money i couldn't pay my bills i eventually janice janice had her her baby and i got my own apartment upstairs in the same building. Okay. And um, 
wasn't making enough money and it became very stressful because uh, if something happened or whatever, I, you know, I got financially in trouble. Let's just put it that way. Okay. Um, and I was, uh, I got to the point where I, I was going to be uh, um, uh, evicted from my apartment because I, I had a mortgage loan that I was going to close and it didn't close and I needed that money to pay for my rent. So I didn't know what I was going to do. So I ended up taking a job down in Texas and I had a friend, a guy that I'd met through a real estate agent in Las Vegas. And um, I told him, I, look, I'm not going to be able to help you anymore because uh, I actually got, they actually, the the person that we had that was running the mortgage company at the time was not an uh, ex-Scientologist. It was actually a person in the real world who was partners with this other Scientologist. Okay. Well, I got upset over this thing not falling through. Now, I don't know if you've experienced this, but um, uh in the C organization, when people get upset and they yell or they get, you know, they lose their temper. I mean, it's like, it's like a nuclear bomb going off usually, you know, to, to regular people, to right. people that are, were not in Scientology. If that happens, they think that the person is nuts. You know I mean? Like, what do you do? I mean, it was total overreaction because yes. that's how it was in the C organization. Right. So I didn't even really do that. I just raised my voice at this person because they had messed something up and I needed the money to get done. So I got fired. I got fired. It was in September of 1991 um, by the, the person who was not a Sea Org member or ex-Scientologist. I got fired. Oh, wow. So I didn't know what I was going to do. Yeah. Right. So anyway, so this gentleman who became one of my best friends, unfortunately passed away about a year ago from COVID. But oh, um, we were friends for years. Um, he offered me a job down in Texas. So I, I moved to Houston, Texas and, uh, and he let me move into his house. Um, he actually was a millionaire. He was in nightclub business and he wanted me, he said, come down here, you can work for me. And so I was happy to do so. Yes. Anyway. So while I was down there, I was only down there like 10 days and all of a sudden Dave LeBeau flies down to Texas. Wow. And I'm, and that's when I first went, something's wrong with this guy. Why is he you know, he said yeah. he was down there for some real estate deal, right. but I called and uh, this was, I left again, September 15th is a red letter day for me because I left Las Vegas for Texas on September 15th, 1991, exactly one year to the day that I left the Sea Org. Hmm. So 10 days later, he's down there and he's, hey, Mark, I'm down here. Let's go to lunch. And he has a big Cadillac car and all that. And and I'm going like, what are you doing down here? He goes, oh, I'm checking out some real estate deal and all that, right? Well, he starts, he's asking me questions about, uh, you know, aside from what I'm doing, just like, well, what, what are your feelings towards Scientology now? What about David Miscavige? Because we had told him about David Miscavige and our, our disagreements and stuff. Yes. And he was like probing, but enough to the point where I go well, like, this is not right. Something's yeah, wrong right. here. Red flag, yeah, red, flag red flag. in Denmark, yes. right? Yes. So I just told him the answers and all that. So I called Janice and I said, you know, Janice, I think he's a spy. We called him a plant. I said, yes. I think he's a plant. And I told her what happened. Right. And she goes, hmm. She goes, yeah, we were kind of thinking something was strange with him, too. So and that did, happened and to me. Was she aware that he'd come down to visit you? Before no, you not until I yes. told her. Wow. Not until yeah. I told her. Right. And there were other weird things about him, too. His wife and kids were in California. Well, meanwhile, he was working in Las Vegas with us. You know what I mean? Mm, oh, yes. where's your wife? She, oh, what, oh, she's going to come later. There was always an excuse. You know, there was always something like, oh, yeah, no, she's going to come at some time. Right. Yes. Um, anyway, 
Uh, the other thing that happened too that's that Scientology did to the mortgage companies, all of this was going on in 1990 to 1993 in this time period, which yes. is when Scientology was trying to get their tax exempt status uh, with the IRS. They were right. trying to get tax exemption, right? Yes. So Miscavige was worried because Terry Gamboa had been one of the original, um, you know, executives at Author Services, but also like uh, she also was part of other corporate entities and stuff like that, right? And she knew a lot about the sorting out of the corporate sort out and that type of thing because she had been part of that with David Miscavige. So he was worried about her going to the IRS. Okay. We found this out. We found this out years later, but that's what was going on. We found this out from Marty Rathbun and Mike years later. So that's, there was a lot of attention on that. So they wanted to break us up. Right. Yes. So part of getting me when I left, you know, to go to Texas is that they had sent in, I, uh, they had sent in a con man, two con men. Okay. Um, to our mortgage company and they they were dressed as businessmen from Hong Kong, okay? Mm, they yep. were English, but they were from Hong Kong, right? And they had this thing where they met Terry and Fernando and, uh, you know, at the company, and they were interested in hiring them to go to Australia, okay? Mm, okay. And uh, they knew that Terry's big passion has always been horses, and she has horses. She has horses now. Anyway, she's horses, right? Yes. So these two invest they were like investors and stuff or whatever they came they basically did this whole thing where they said look we're we have a private company in hong kong but we want to be able to send our clients to australia to go horseback riding and and on a ranch and yada 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 right and so we would like to hire you to go to australia to find us a ranch that we can buy that we can send these in these uh clients of ours to and you find the horses and that type of thing. And we'll pay you $100,000 a year on top of paying all your expenses, right? Wow. And, and which, and of was, course, would conveniently put Terry outside of the U.S., unable exactly, to be reached. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. And we didn't know. I mean, I don't know when Terry and them found out, but uh, Marty Rathbun spilled the beans in 2009 when he spoke with the Tampa Bay St. Pete Times um, uh you know, for the truth rundown. Yes. He, and he goes and I will add a link thing. to that series because it's yeah. a brilliant series. Yeah. But basically who's not, who's going to say no to that. Right. right? Well, it, it, the whole purpose was to get Terry out of the country because they were trying to uh, negotiate with the IRS tax exemption. They didn't want her going in there and saying, Oh no, David Miscavige runs everything in Scientology. Oh no, right. here's what's happening with the money. Oh no, here's what L. Ron Hubbard was doing. You know what I mean? Yes. So they didn't want that. Okay. No. Likewise, they didn't want me speaking out either. Right. So the whole Texas thing was that, that didn't have anything to do with me leaving Texas. They wanted to basically financially destroy me. So, this has never been confirmed, but we had another con man who came into our mortgage company in that first year who was an architect, right? Okay. And he was bringing in all these big potential commercial real estate deals. And I, I was the person that he contacted. And so we spent a lot of time and money going out and chasing, basically chasing blue sky, chasing nothing. 
You know what yes. I mean? And that's one of the reasons why I find I got financially in a hole because I wasn't making money. It was just basically a waste of time. Right. right. And yes. the biggest thing that this guy did was he introduced me to this uh, Japanese uh, gentleman in Las Vegas who they who had a connection with a Japanese investor in Hawaii who wanted to invest in real estate in Las Vegas. Well, we need to wine and dine this guy. We got to set, you know, we got to go over to Hawaii and show him that we know what we're doing, right? Yes. So this is for, coming from this con man guy. So, okay, great. Well, we'll go and we'll set up this whole trip. So we set up this whole trip to uh, Hawaii for the three of us and including our, our main Sea or, or Scientology um, guy who got us in the mortgage business, right? Yes. And it was going to cost like $8,000, right? So the day that we were, the day before we were supposed to leave, the con guy, con artist guy said to me, oh, I'm sick. I'm not going to be able to go. And he was going to pay for the trip. That was oh, the agreement. Man. He yep. was going to pay for the trip. And he goes like, I, I'm not going to be able to go. And, and I'm going, and of course me trusting, I'm, I'm an idiot, you know, trusting people. I'm joking, but that, you know what I mean? Right. I went, why don't I just put it on my, my American express card and then you can just pay me back when I get back. I see. Oh yeah, that's okay. Yeah. That, let's do that. You know? So I paid for the trip on my American express card, $8,500. Wow. We went and did the trip, came back. Hey, you got you got the money to pay me back? Oh no, he he didn't have the money, and then it took months, and I was chasing. Uh, you know what I mean? In other words, it was classic trying to you know crash me, you know, yes. crash me financially to the and, point and, where. And maybe you never got confirmation of that, but I can tell you, Mark and I have had a very similar mirror mirror of that story that we did get confirmation was entirely that exact scenario you're describing of Scientology sending people in, trying to lure us into a job too good to be true so that then they could turn around and destroy us. That yeah, was their and intent. I, I, and, and we had somebody who was a Scientologist that we talked to afterwards who said, I'm really sorry they were they were holding my daughter against me, who was a teenager. Anyway. That's crazy. And that's why, you know, Mark's Scientology spy file series is so interesting to me because I can imagine the files they had on us in Las Vegas. Yes. They had files on you. They definitely had files on us. Oh, absolutely. I'm no question about it. And we've asked Mike about it and Mike doesn't remember everything. So he doesn't, he doesn't know, but I guarantee if we ever saw those files, there's a lot of things that were done to us that were really crazy. I mean, at the time you go, this is crazy. What's this from? And I don't have any proof right now that that's Scientology related, but I, you know, I have a sneaking suspicion. Yeah. There's, it's too much of a coincidence to be an actual coincidence. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so I, that's part of the reason why I ended up down in Texas is because I basically, I couldn't pay my, I was going to be evicted. I had no money, nowhere to go. And eventually I, I ended up filing personal bankruptcy. I mean, I oh. couldn't pay my bills. You know, when I was down in Texas, I ended up personally bankrupt. They, they yeah, wiped me tough. out. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, so this guy, Dave LeBeau, um, Terry and Fernando took the job to go to Australia. Okay. And so they're down there and lo and behold, here comes Dave LeBeau with his wife and kids down to visit them down in Australia Wow! to see how they're doing, you know? Wow. And that's when we really went, okay, this guy's got to be a spy for Scientology. Okay. Yeah. And so we made the decision consciously. We didn't know for sure. Look, 
what do we care? We're not doing anything. We're just trying to make a living. Let's, yes. let's just, you know, if we, if we out him, they're just going to send somebody else out. We'll just ignore it. You know what I mean? And not tell them anything. And that's basically what we did. And then it was a couple of years later that that, that guy that was in the photograph that um, the party photograph, he, he became friends with Dave LeBeau and he's a friend of ours. And, uh, he asked Dave LeBeau, he goes, what are you doing here? How do you make money and all that? He goes, well, it's not, he admitted to this friend of ours that he wasn't really there to be a mortgage officer, that he was there, um, a private investigator that he was doing investigation and it was on us, you know? So that's, that's how we knew. And and when was that, that you for sure? Probably around 94. Okay. You know what I mean? So for three years, he was reporting Mm -hmm. to David Miscavige on all of you and your activities. Right. to you. To, yeah. to, and I'll give you another example. When I went down to Texas that first year, I had to do my, ta- I flew back to visit in Vegas and I needed to do my, my tax return, my first tax returns since I've been there, right? Yes. Well, he, he, he was working for a tax return company at the time, you know, rounding up tax. Oh, I'll get your taxes done, right? Convenient. So he did my taxes or had my taxes done. Well, I guarantee you he copied them and sent them to uh, Miscavige and Scientology. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yep. And it was our tr- trusting nature. You know what I mean? Right. I didn't always sound like a rube, but I mean, I didn't have any suspicion that there was anything wrong. You right. Know, that, Why would you? That, you uh, had a, left and you were just trying to get on with your life and start right. over. That yes. a religion would spend money to have people investigate and to infiltrate our lives when we were just trying to survive and live and thrive. Right. You know, we didn't have any intentions of doing anything, right? Yes. So, and lo and, and, and behold. Just, just as a side comment, this is exactly how Osa and David Miscavige create problems for themselves. They will not leave people alone. They use their gazillions of tax-exempt dollars to disrupt and try and destroy people's lives who are just trying to move on, like Mark and I. Exact same scenario. (laughs) They would not leave us alone. (laughs) That's exactly right. Now, lo and behold, Scientology got their tax-exempt status in whatever it was, 93? Yes, 93. It was announced at the IES event, in so the International Association of Scientologists event in October of 1993. Well, so I, I... Paul and Janice were able to basically buy into the mortgage company in Las Vegas. The gentleman who started it with, you know, who had been a Scientologist, he's disappeared and he's, he's, he's decided to go to Cal- back to California. Okay. But Paul and Janice, they worked into, you know, a partnership with somebody else who was not a Scientologist to take over the mortgage company. And so Paul contacted me and because I'd been, even though I didn't get paid a lot, I was the top loan officer. I mean, I, I, I've always been good at sales. I, I don't know why. I guess it's just because I can communicate and make, you know, complex things simple. But yes. anyway, he wanted me to come back. And so in 93, he basically offered for me to come back and work. They'd increased the commissions and they'd taken over the company. And so I decided, yeah, I'm going to move back. So I moved back to um, Las Vegas at uh, November 1993, right? Okay. Yep. And you said the IAS thing was when? October 1993. Okay. That was All when right. it was announced. It, it had been sealed, I think, earlier that year with the IRS, and then it was announced at that at that October event. Well, shortly thereafter, after I came back, it wasn't just a few months later that 
Terry and Fernando were coming back from Australia because the uh, Australia thing had fallen apart. They never ended up buying a place. I think they rented a, a ranch and they had horses and all that, but they didn't need to be out of the country anymore. And why would Scientology pay for such a thing? I mean, we right. didn't know this until years later when Marty Rappin told us, but oh, we're going to come back to Las Vegas. So they came back and then we were all back together again in the mortgage business. Nice. <laughs> just it's just crazy i mean this is this is from beginning to end a situation of truth is stranger than fiction yeah exactly. <laughs> oh my goodness okay so then the next picture i think of vaughn and stacy do you have that one yes let me okay. set that up here okay here we go okay so this is a picture of me um, probably around 96 or 97. But anyway, um, that's me in the center. And on my, on, on the left of the picture is Robert Vaughn Young. Okay. And on the right, um, is his wife at the time, Stacy Young, who's Stacy Brooks now. And, uh, there, this is up in Seattle, Washington. Now, Stacy had been my twin in the RPF that I told, talked about in part one, where yes. we, we, you know, co-processed each other through and graduated from the rehabilitation project force together. And I had known Vaughn and Stacy since 1978. And um, they had been senior executives in Vaughn had been in the Guardian's office, um, the uh, precursor to the Office of Special Affairs, doing public relations work um, with, uh, you know, uh, for L. Ron Hubbard and for Scientology. He also was a, a main contributor to a magazine they had at the time called the Freedom Magazine, where they inve did investigations on the government and different things and stuff like that. And then Stacy had been an executive at Author Services as well. And then she got removed from that and was put into the Rehabilitation Project Force. Um, but she was kept under wraps because Vaughn was extremely valuable to L. Ron Hubbard because at the time, he was working at Author Services, and L. Ron Hubbard had written his big book, Battles, Battlefield Earth. Yes. And then he then he had also written uh, the what be, eventually became a 10-volume science fiction novel called Mission Earth, right? Yes. And uh, Vaughn was used by L. Ron Hubbard to edit the book for him. And he basically, the L. Ron Hubbard, because he'd written such a voluminous mission earth it was so big he he didn't know how to split it up so vaughn was the one who worked out where it should be split up and then he did the editing and and did corrections and all that so he was extremely valuable to author services and to l ron hubbard yes. okay so they were senior executives well they left i don't know maybe a year before i did the sea org okay and they became the first I don't know if they were the first, but they, they became paid consultants for a lawsuit against Scientology where they were basically, um, there was somebody uh, who was being sued. This, this person was being sued by Scientology, uh, who had been a public person who had been, um, um, he had been quoted and his story was told in an article in Time magazine. Uh, that's a famous article in Time magazine on Scientology called the cult of greed. Yes. And, and, and I'll, I'll link to that because that is yeah. a, a classic, I, and, and I know I'm. I'm it's a lot huge event. Yeah, yeah, no, that's okay. And that was in, I think, the Time Magazine article, if I'm not mistaken, was nine nineteen ninety one. I think it was ninety one. Yeah. Yes. Well, anyway, so Scientology decided, I think, to sue this this gentleman, and Vaughn and Stacy were hired by his attorneys to basically explain 
what is Scientology to, you know, whenever they, you know, whenever there was a policy letter, they would, they would be the people who would tell the attorney, the attorneys didn't know, understand how this stuff worked. So they were paid and they were paid really well to do that. Right. Well, and then they were speaking out, you know, and so Scientology did not, they were like persona, they were Mike Rinder before Mike Rinder. In other words, they were persona, (laughs) person number one, enemy number one. Yes. Exactly right. Yes. So, and of course, I, and of course, in any legal action, that inner knowledge from someone who's held top executive positions is invaluable because it is very hard to unpack the terminology and everything else. So, it, it makes it makes sense that they were uh, doing valuable work, and Scientology was really mad about it. I'm sure. Exactly, and yeah. and the thing was is that. Um, um, Vaughn actually, you know, he became when the internet was just starting up in the in the early to mid nineties or yeah, the mid nineties, right? And all of a sudden, stuff was starting to come out on the internet. Uh, you know what I mean? People were talking. There were there were chat groups and things. You know, it was very rudimentary, but it was just starting that. And Vaughn used to do comments and blogs. You know, before Mark is blown for good, did there was. Robert Vaughn Young, and he was very famous for that. Yes. But he he predicted, he was one of the first person, he, he predicted that the internet would be Scientology's Waterloo. In other words, that the internet was going to destroy Scientology because there weren't going to be any secrets anymore. And right. he's turned out to be pretty prophetic, pretty right, you know? Yep, absolutely. So anyway, when I came back to, to um, Vegas in November 93, I'd found out somehow that Vaughn and Stacy were out of the Sea Org and where they were in California. So I contacted them because Stacy had been my friend and my twin. So I went and spent Christmas with them December of 1993 and we reconnected and, and they were doing this work at that time. And, um, so we, we became friends and we were talking and I would, I would help them under the radar, you know, under the radar, you know, if they had questions and stuff, I would help them and all that throughout the years. And then that photograph that you, that I, you saw in Seattle, that yes. was taken the day after Scientology had come to try and get them to pay them off to stop speaking out because Stacy and Vaughn were also doing media at that time. They did a 60 minute story. I mean, they were, they were like out there and this is before really anybody was out there doing this right yes and so and i was their friend you know so again it it was another reason for them to have a target on me you know what i mean because i was in touch with these people you know makes sense and so so that that was all going on eventually stacy and vaughn they ended up getting divorced they they had a lot of oh that's the other thing they had a lot of fair game against them Right. And a lot of it was they had they had this guy who was showing up at their house up there and I sent them a picture of Dave LeBeau and they went, That's the guy. So that was oh another goodness. confirmation that that's the guy, right? <laughs> wow, yeah. They were doing cat rescue. He was a busy bee, this Dave LeBeau. And yeah. and he's he's crossed our path too. So yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, so they <laughs> I, were doing- I'd love to see his his um paychecks from Scientology with their tax exempt sure, dollars. I'm How sure much he made over the years? Of dollars. Yeah, I'm it sure had to too. Be millions of dollars. I'm sure. Anyway, too. um, aside from testifying, you know, and doing stuff against Scientology, Stacy and Vaughn they love cats, and so they started abandoning. They started adopting abandoned cats out of their house. Okay, yes. and one time I came up to visit them in their little house on Puget Sound, and they had 
I, I mean, I literally, I thought we were living in a cat cage. There were 16 yeah. cats in this little oh house. Gosh. You know what I mean? I love cats. I do too. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, but they were doing that and they were, they were adopting them out and getting them, you know, working with the S whatever the SPCA, whatever the thing is. Right. Yes. Well, Scientology went after that. They got Dave LeBeau basically to file a report or somebody to file a report with the health department saying that these cats were AIDS infected. Oh so then gosh, they had they on. had people come and investigate their house, and it turns out that then they had they also had a private investigator living next door with a listening device to listen through and on what they were doing. They had protesters show up out in front of their house saying wow. they're religious bigots, so they they were under it big time. Yes, and Mike Rinder's already talked about this and stuff too because he was running OSA at the time, so he was involved, right? Yeah. Um, so anyway, so so they were doing that. Eventually, it got to the point where, um, you know, there were other things that happened. That they they met Bob Minton, a guy named Bob Minton, who who was involved with the whole. Uh, we're really getting into it now. Yeah. Lisa McPherson, <laughs> the lady a whole that other died, story. yes, right, that died. Yes. But anyway, um, one of the tragedies got, of Scientology. So yeah, yeah Vaughn and, Stacey and I'll, got I'll link to. I'll find an an article. I'm sure there's an article that summarizes the Lisa McPherson story. But she is a yeah, um, yeah. Wrongful well, death they, at they, the hands of Scientology. We'll put it that way. <laughs> yeah, that's and, and I'll, like I said, I'll link to the story so we don't have to recap. Yeah, I'm that not going to go into all the details. But Vaughn and Stacy got divorced, and Stacy got hooked up with this guy Bob Minton, who um, who was involved, who who basically helped them um, in in uh, Washington State. He actually bought them a house that they could actually turn into a cat and animal rescue, and that's how they. Uh, Stacy got involved with Bob Minton. And then okay. that's when they decided to go to Clearwater, Bob Minton, and they got Jesse Prince, and they all went down to Clearwater to protest against Scientology right there in Clearwater um, over the Lisa McPherson incident, right? Yes. So the reason I bring this all up is because I'm in touch with Stacy this whole time. We, meanwhile, have now have a new private investigator spy friend in at our mortgage company. Dave LeBeau had been outed, so he couldn't be used, right? Okay, and you want me to pull up the next picture here? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. here we go. Okay, so this gentleman here, his name is Ferris Khan, okay? And he, again, was hired by our mortgage company. First, his wife was hired, okay, at, by our mortgage company as an employee, right? Okay. And then she said, "Oh, my my husband, he does mortgages and all that and and what, you know, and so anyway, he got hired as a loan officer as well, and he became friends with Kenny Lipton and with Fernando and Terry Gamboa and then with me and you know, he just was another guy. We didn't really particularly disseminate to him or anything like that or his wife. Um, but they became again friends and employees, right? And yes, and sorry, so <clears throat> question. So what year was this that Ferris Khan showed up in your life? Probably around nineteen ninety eight, ninety nine. Okay. okay. And and was Dave LeBeau still there? No, or? no. He okay. had been gone. He'd he'd left, you know, and then like I said, he was up harassing Juan and Stacy Young and all that, right? Yes. And then he then he eventually was the guy who was who was investigating and harassing Bob Minton. I mean, you know, his his track goes down. So this is a new guy that they sent in to okay. replace LeBeau. 
Okay. And we yeah. didn't, again, we didn't know at the time about Lisa McPherson and this death that had happened and uh, how David Miscavige was, you know, possibly going to be indicted as part of this thing. Right. And that's a whole story, right? Yes. But again, it explains why they sent somebody into us because they were afraid of us getting involved because part of the, the, the defense um, or part of the, um, uh, charges against Miscavige was that he runs everything in Scientology, which he did. We right. knew that. Which so they we didn't were want, all they didn't want you. me involved with. It. Yeah. Yes. So anyway, so I, I basically, um, Ferris Khan, uh, I decided to leave the mortgage company with uh, Janice and Paul and go and get a job at another mortgage company. Okay. And Ferris, all of a sudden, gets real buddy buddy with me, right? Because um, I've gone to another mortgage company still in here in Nevada. Okay. And, but he's all of a sudden showing up and take, we're going out to dinner and this and that, right? Well, he, he has this whole ruse that he set up where this is 19, sorry, this is 2000. This is okay. 2000, you're, uh, 1999, 2000, right? Yes. So this is before, this is before cell phones you know, took off. There were no smartphones or anything like that. But he, he had moved to Phoenix, Arizona with his wife. They just had a baby. So all of a sudden he shows back up into my life because I've left the mortgage company with our friends. And um, he says, look, I'm starting up a cell phone company down in Phoenix where we, where we're going to um, give away free phones if people will sign up for the, the phone service. Okay. Okay. And he had other friends, you know, uh, Ferris is Pakistani American. Okay. And he had other friends down there who had this business going and all that. And he was going to set up his own shops. And, um, and he said, listen, I want you to help me set them up. As a matter of fact, um, I'll pay you to write an employee manual. Okay. Mm -hmm. For our cell phone companies. Right. And so I wasn't making, you know, very much money. I just started over with this new company. And so I said, okay. So he paid me like, I don't know, six, $7,000. And I, I worked out and I wrote a whole employee manual. Um, but it was all bogus BS, right? It was just, it was just to get me, keep me busy because he was getting information from me about Stacy Young and what her and Jesse Prince were doing because I was in touch with them down in Clearwater, Florida. They were Makes friends sense. of mine. So right. he was siphoning. And I talked, I got to the point where Ferris became my best friend for 10 years. Okay. Wow. Where I talked to him every day, sometimes two, three times a day about everything, you know, about my business, about my life, about taxes, about what he was doing and all that. And then he, he and I liked to travel. So he would take me on trips. Okay. So the photograph that you see there is we were going to go down to Clearwater, Florida, okay? Because yes. Ferris also, he also, I told him about the protests that were done being done against Scientology at the time by a group, um, uh, uh, you know, protests that were being done and, and I, uh, yeah, the Lisa McPherson Trust and all that. So he he would be following it on the internet and he'd be talking to me about it and getting my information stuff anyway so um i said well listen i've got these friends down in clearwater uh jesse prince and stacy uh young i said why don't we go down to clearwater and we'll go visit them you know what i mean and I'll, i can poke my finger in dm's face by showing up there he'll freak out if i show up at this place right oh yeah that's a good idea that's a good idea is what he said right okay well turns out i found out 
nine years later that Marty Rathbun, <laughs> that DM found out that I was coming down to Florida to visit them, visit Stacy and, and Jesse. And at the time, um, Miscavige was facing possible indictment. And he goes, he told Marty, he goes, keep Fisher out of Florida. So yeah. they got Ferris to say, look at Mark, instead of going to Clearwater, um, we need to go to Puerto Vallarta, Mexico um, to uh, visit with this possible investor in my cell phone company. And it has to be that same weekend we were going to go down to Florida. Convenient. Yes. So he goes, and I'll pay all the expenses for the trip. You don't have to pay for anything. So I got, we went to uh, Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, instead of and that's what this picture is here. Yeah, and that was the last time I talked to Stacy Young because I told her I said, "Look, I'm not going to be able to come down." They wanted me to come down, but I said I'm not going to be able to. And uh, so I went to to Mexico, and this is in Mexico with Ferris Khan, right? Well, yeah. and little behold, did you know, this whole trip was paid for by Scientology. Scientology, yeah, it was all just paid to by keep you away from the Lisa keep McPherson me out of case. Florida. They didn't want yes. me down there, right? Yep. So while we're down there in Mexico, we're there for two, three days in Puerto Vallarta. All expenses paid, right? We go out to nightclubs and all that. Well, I didn't know this, but he surreptitiously took pictures of me with dancers around me. You know, um, you know, topless dancers, exotic dancers, whatever, which he then sent into miscavige and all they're basically were trying to get blackmail materials things to get you know embarrass me and get keep me silent right yep so sop um, for scientology yeah yeah and then the last night i said hey when are we meeting with this investor or investor guy he goes oh we're gonna have dinner with him tonight so we went and we met this guy and the guy had no interest i mean he basically was he looked like an ex-cop you know what I mean? Yes. And basically, it was all a ruse. It was all it was all just to get me out and all that. And nothing ever came of it. We ended right. up flying back to Las Vegas, and and that was the end of that. But that's where they did this, right? So yeah. I so in two thousand nine, when Marty Rathbun spoke out to the St. Petersburg Times, um, before that, before that article, I got a hold of Marty. I you know. I, you know, you know, when Marty first came out, he was under the radar for a long time and people didn't know where he was. Right. When I finally found out where he was and I talked to him on the phone, he had, he had, he had written, say, if anybody wants to answer me any questions, just, just ask, right? So I got a hold of him and I talked to him. I said, why were you guys so interested in us in Las Vegas? And that's where he told me the stuff that I've already told you. Yes. But then he also mentioned like, he goes, oh yeah. And then, and then around, I don't know, 2000, uh, yeah, we had some guy send you down, take you down to Mexico. And we, cause we didn't want you in Clearwater. I went, that's my friend Ferris. I just talked to him on the phone an hour ago. Oh, what are you talking goodness. about? I had no idea. You know, so he was your friend until Marty told you that. Until he was Marty a spy. told me in two thousand and nine. Wow! Yeah. I said, "That's my friend Ferris." What are you talking about? I, wow! I, I couldn't believe it. I, I literally, but but he had the details. Marty did. There was no way he couldn't have known. So That's I went crazy. So they that, had private investigators on you personally for what about fifteen years. No longer uh, since 1990 through till 2009 at the latest. So 19, so 19 years. years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I was like shocked. And here, right? I'll pull up the other picture that you provided here. Yeah. So here's another one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so this Ferris. is Ferris Khan right. as well. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, we'd become, you know, close friends. Like I said, I mean, we traveled, we did all sorts of stuff. This is, uh, we'll go get into that one in a yeah. minute. But anyway, we, this was, uh, 
you know, we traveled and stuff. And basically, he was trying to get all sorts of different blackmail material and stuff. And look, I'm not a perfect human being. None of us are, right? Right. But I, I'm a single man, and I've I've never I've never done anything illegal. Um, and you know, I've never had anything going on like that. Well, then they they took the information, and photographs, and things like that that he gathered from me. And then, of course, they have they had a hate website, just like you guys do. Right. I'm sure. I've never looked at it because I don't really care. Yep, I'm the, I have the same view. I have the same yeah, I view. don't look at it because I know the intention of it is to yep. interbulate, which is a Scientology word, which is basically upset you. You know yep, what I mean? And to stop you from speaking out. So That's yeah, exactly no, thank right. you. I they will then, continue speaking as you, as will you. And thank you for your courage and bravery. Yeah. Work, seriously. <laughs> thank you. But anyway, but the thing is, is that they try and, you know, paint you as a picture that's not true. Right. Well, right. I know, I know who I am of and course. my friends know who I am. Right. But anyway, um, so so that that's what happened with Ferris Khan. So I I then didn't tell him right away, right? Because I still was in touch with him. Yeah. So that's right at the time when the St. Petersburg Times was doing a second round of stories. And that's when Joe Child from the St. Petersburg Times, which then became Tampa Times, came to Vegas and interviewed me. And I told him the whole story and told him about Miscavige and all that. So I appeared in the second round of stories on that, right? Awesome. And, I'll, and I, I will waited. link to that as well. Yeah. And I waited until the day that that was published to then call Ferris Khan and tell him, I said, you know, you might want to check out this this internet story and all that. You, you may find some interest in it, right? Yep. So he then called me back, you know, a few hours later. And, of course, he goes – he goes, oh, he goes, that's not true. And it's all, you know, it's all your fault. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I don't, I'm not going to say exactly what he said, but basically his, his point was he tries to turn it around all on me. Like it was all my fault. You know wow. what I mean? It wasn't yeah. like, oh, I, I said, all I asked him was, I, I asked him, I said, Ferris, I have one question for you. I want you to tell me the truth. Did Scientology pay you to spy on me? Yep. Yes or no? And he wouldn't answer the question. I asked him it several times and he would not answer the question. It was just all my fault, right? Yep. And that was Cowards the last time. Cowards can never face the truth is the bottom no, line. Exactly right. And that was the last time I ever spoke with him. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it was hard. It was hard because. I mean, it is believable. Know, it's just it's just a perfect example of what Scientology <clears throat> does to try and destroy people. Yeah, and it's hard because you try and trust people. You think that they're your friends. Right. And this went on for, for him, with him, 10 years. Wow. You know what I mean? And then you find out this betrayal, okay? Yes. And I'll, I'll, I'll say one thing, okay? Because he's not a private – he wasn't a private investigator. He was, again, somebody they hired to, to basically – he wasn't had no connection to Scientology whatsoever, okay? Right. He, he was willing to accept money to money, Okay to spy on people that he had no idea what they were doing or what they went through in their life. Okay. Right. And people like that, and there's others that did the same thing to Mike and, and his wife, yes. and I'm sure to you. Yes. Okay. I, I consider them lower than low. Okay. Yep. Because a private not, investigator. Not lower than Osa who hired them in the first place. Exactly. But and I David mean like, Miscavige who spends tax exempt dollars, but in the same yeah, bucket. But I consider sure. them lower yep. than the, private investigators who are ex-cops and who are also low, I but I consider these people lower because yeah. they have no motivation other than just pay me. I right. will ruin this person's life. Right. I will do what I can. I will rat them out. I'll make them look bad. Just give me money. Okay. Yes. 
Yep. And that that's that to me is is just disgusting. Yep, I completely agree. There's no 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 excuse, no <laughs> nothing makes that okay. Yeah, I mean to get you know to to give you an example. I mean, I will forgive senior Scientologists who came out and go, okay, well, you guys did this. Mike Rinder is a perfect example. Great guy. I've always liked Mike, right? Yes. But he did stuff as the head of OSA, right? Well, I for, I forgive him. I, there was no reason for him really to apologize, but I welcomed him with open arms, right? Yes. Because we were comrades, and he, he got fooled just like I got fooled and all that. You know right. what I'm saying? Yep. But people like this, I don't have any sympathy for them. Nope. I completely agree. Anyway. That's my yeah. sermon. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, let's go to our next picture here. <laughs> well okay. said, Mark. Thank so you. <laughs> this, this is, I think, around 2007, I want to say. Um, yes. The, I think it was 2008, were... actually. Okay. So the anonymous movement, as I, at least when I became aware of it, was yeah. in January 2008. When, and it um, actually was incredible. It was. The, the protests were all over the world, and they would get hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of people, to show up outside Scientology orgs and, and buildings and protest yes. at, at, at the snap of a finger. Yes. It and was of course, amazing. Yes. And of course, I'm sure you recall what triggered, or a big piece of what triggered that the, whole the anonymous movement was the Tom Cruise Tom video Cruise that video. was leaked. And yes. then Scientology had it removed from the internet. Which uh -huh. prompted the internet, the anonymous internet people, to go, "Hey, now wait a minute," <laughs> and and I don't know if you know this, but but funny cross story, uh, yeah. for a long time, OSA was calling, were were naming, you know, they f throw around slurs and hate terms and all this. Well, Mark and I for a long time were referred to by OSA as Mister and Mrs. Anonymous, and we're like. Uh, hello, do you not know that these people are anonymous? You know exactly who we are. Where's the logic? It's gone. Well, anyway. I speak, same thing happened to me, okay? Because I showed up at a protest in Las Vegas. Now, I still was connected with Ferris Khan at the time because this is, like you said, 2008, whatever yes. it was. Yes, yes, 2008. So I went to the one in Las Vegas and I wore a mask like you would see during COVID and the sunglasses and hat, and they took pictures of me there. Yep. And somehow they decided uh, they found me out. And then I went to this one here in L.A. And this is where I first actually met you and Mark. Yes. For the first time was at That's this right. protest. And we're out. This picture is taken in front of the L. Ron Hubbard exhibit on Hollywood Boulevard, uh, the main management building. And I always thought it was funny because the sign says, Mike Rinder Blue, you should too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> awesome. And I'm How flashing peace that? signs. <laughs> I'm flashing peace signs. You know what right. I mean? And uh, so that was that was funny. So I went to that too, and of course I was being reported up. So the same thing happened to me that they then tried to black, you know, they tried to basically denounce me and say he's a member of Anonymous. You yes. know what I mean? I'm a member of Anonymous. No, I'm not. I'm just there as a citizen yes. protesting. I'm as not a, a concerned citizen who has personal knowledge of witnessing right. Scientology's crimes. Right. So I'm a member of a hate group anonymous you know i mean it's just it's ridiculous it is ridiculous. so that's what that that's what that picture is <laughs> awesome and then we'll end with you today <laughs> yeah that, that's me today that's me today awesome. but um yeah it's you know they do what they do and it's it's really bizarre like i said um one thing i was going to tell you just briefly um that happened around 2006 or seven is, um, and I was still connected with Ferris Khan, is that um, 
before there was any real internet, there was a chat group that a that a ex science org member set up for ex org members. On it was a Yahoo chat group. Okay. Okay. It was xso.com or xso or whatever it was. And you know who, who it is. It's somebody you know in, in Colorado. Um, I don't know if I should mention his name, but anyway. That's um, okay. <laughs> but anyway, but, but that, that's where we started reconnecting with people that had been in the Sea Org. I mean, that's where I reconnected with Jefferson Hawkins, for instance. Yes. Okay. Because he would comment on there and we would comment on there. And, and um, I finally got Janice to, you know, she's the one who told me about it. And then we started commenting on there because we were reconnecting with a lot of our old friends. We had no idea. That's how we reconnected with Amy Scobie was through awesome. that. Yes. And that's when we heard the stories of what happened after we left. Right. But, and that's where Blown for Good started showing up and we started following that and yes. the different websites. So we started, it started filling in the history of what happened after we left. Right. Yes. Well, anyway, um, the person who set up this group, he decided he would hit his wife for coming to Vegas on vacation for a weekend. And so we organized up a bunch of people, ex Sea Org members to come and visit. And I took them all out to dinner. I was doing really well financially at the time. And uh, by the way, I, 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 Later, I became very successful doing mortgages after that. Awesome. Um, but anyway, Good for you, Mark. <laughs> um, yeah, until we had the crash in the economy in 09, but that's another story. But anyway, for sure. um, but I paid, I, I took everybody out to dinner, right? Well, it, same thing happened where this Ferris Khan, I told him, yeah, I'm going out with these guys and all that. Next thing I know, just like what happened to Mark and his business, I had somebody calling my boss at my mortgage company and other contacts I had saying that, you know, I was being investigated for mortgage fraud and this and that, yada, yada, yada. And it was a stupid name. It was the Citizens Commission for Mortgage Rights. I knew it was a Scientology, you know, PI or OSA stunt immediately, right? Yep. So I called my boss, the same thing. And I told him, I said, listen, I said, I told him my history about Scientology and that. And he goes, he goes, Mark, he goes, if there was ever any complaints, it would have come through the state of Nevada and said, don't worry. I said, okay, great. And then they contacted this famous sportscaster who I was doing business with at the time he did advertising for me. And I called him ahead of time saying, you may get a phone call from this group. And I told him who they were. Sure enough, an hour later, he got a call from them and he told him basically to stuff it, you know. Yeah. So it's just Nicely stupid done. the little and yep. and I'm sure that got the stats up for those OSA trolls, whoever they are, saying like, Oh, we shut him up by contacting his boss. And I'm sure it's the same thing with the the emails they sent out to Mark's business. You know what I mean? It's just it's just a joke. It, it has no effect. Yep. Anybody that anybody that's done business with Mark or with me or whatever. You know, they know that we're that we're good people and that we are going to treat them fairly and we're going to do a good job. So it's just right. I wouldn't worry about it anyway. Yep, OSA is documenting their misuse of tax exempt dollars. Keep at it. Just keep, uh, it's, yeah. keep creating a record, and we will use that. So there you go. And like Mike Rinder says, you know, they have they follow the same playbook that they followed because L. Ron Hubbard wrote it years ago. That's so right. they don't know how to do anything different. They just do the same stupid stuff. Yep, that's right. Anyway. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. Okay, my last question before we wrap up, if you're good okay. with it. You, ha you had made reference to uh, that we would talk about how the un the layers of the onion started to unravel for you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I figured we would just finish up with that if you're okay with that. Yeah, well, you know, what happened, obviously, when you leave, you know, like I said, we were 
we actually were true believers. You know, we were believers in Scientology. Even though we had gotten together again after leaving Scientology, we, our intention really was we believed L. Ron Hubbard was going to come back, even though he'd already died, right? So, and we, I knew that Miscavige wasn't playing by the same rules we all did. And we yes. went, the history had been whenever L. Ron Hubbard had disappeared and when he came back, if somebody would have been messing up, he would have dealt with it, right? So we, our viewpoint was, oh, Ella Rachel come back, we'll deal with it, and then we'll, then we'll come back, right? Well, yeah. over time, this stuff started happening. And then that article came out in the Time magazine I told you about, right? But the yes. key thing that really did that really changed my viewpoint on L. Ron Hubbard and, and, and what I've been through is the same thing that Mike Rinder mentioned as well for himself is in 1994, after I came back here to Las Vegas, Terry Gamboa gave me the book Bareface Messiah by Russell Miller. Okay. Yes. Brilliant. And did book. you ever read that? I you did. It? I did. It's an excellent book. It's about L. Ron Hubbard, the true story of his biography and what he did with documentation. And I read that and I was appalled by specifically by two things, which was that I could see the pattern that L. Ron Hubbard always turned on everybody who ever helped him. Like uh, they, they would be like his best friends, his best investor, his best promoter to all of a sudden like, Oh, he's a communist. Oh, he's a traitor. Oh, we need to do him. I saw that from reading the previous history, but I saw that in the Sea Org when he got rid of David Mayo, Bill Franks, Kerry Gleason, all these senior executives that yes. who had been dedicated their lives to him. Okay. And then even his wife, Mary Sue. Yes. You know, he had her go to prison. Okay, for crimes that he was intimately involved in, yes. she took the rap, right? And then when she got out, he didn't have anything to do with her again. He right. wouldn't even talk to her. Okay. Right. And that that's that book really turned the tide for me. And that's when I went, okay, okay, all right, this is there is something really wrong here. So yes. that that was for me. I appreciate you sharing that. I'll link to that book too, because that is, it is amazing. It's a, a very well done research of the true facts. And it's funny because when I, I, when, when, when I escaped, I was still very fearful of Scientology because of my upbringing and right. because I, I held on to a hope that one day I would reconnect with my family. But Mark started posting and, uh, you know, PI started showing up and all this. And I just thought, you know, let me, educate myself. I can read a book and decide for myself, right? <laughs> Isn't that what we yeah. were always told? What's true for you is what's yeah. true. So I thought, you know, I'm going to read this book and find out the truth. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, I read a few other books as well. And it was it was very eye-opening. Yeah, it, it was. And it, and just so people know, it's also available as an audio book now. So you can actually listen to it if you don't have the time to read it. Uh, you can listen to it driving around. I mean, I, I listen to a lot of audio books, but it's available also as an audio book. Awesome. Well, again, Mark, thank you so very much for your time. We will have one more one more part with your story, specifically for my Where's Shelley series, and I will no, very much no look forward to that. And listen, I just wanted to compliment you. I've gotten so many comments on what a great interviewer you are oh, and how great you, you are, and uh, you're so compassionate, and you're, you know, you're just a really great person, and I really appreciate it. I appreciate your time, Mark, and likewise, you did a great job telling your story, and I just thank you for your time and, and contribution here. Okay. Thanks, Claire. All righty. Take care. 
Until next time.